You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. All right, I'm here. Aaron's on vacation this week, somewhere warm and tropical. Good for him. He's out. Corbin is in. This show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Uh, It's a game day, so Redskins beat Eagles if coming up in a few minutes. Cooley will be on the show today. And yes, for all of you trolls and front runners who tweet the hell out of me when Cousins loses but are nowhere to be found when he plays well and wins. I will get to him and the Vikings. Uh, The Vikings were just one of the few smell test losses on the weekend. Seven and four on the weekend. Most of the leans came through too. I'm on a three and a half week run here of getting paid and helping all of you degenerates get paid too. Um, I will tell you that one game I would have backed off of over the weekend uh, on the smell test was Northwestern. A ton of sharp money late on the Buckeyes pushed that line to 16, 16 and a half. But it's one of those plays on Friday that I stick with. Uh, I didn't play it personally by the time we got to Saturday night. But the truth is, you know what? Northwestern actually had a shot in that game. The score wasn't totally indicative of what that game was late third quarter, early fourth quarter. But a 35 and 12 run over the last three and a half weeks for the smell test. Uh, That's 74.5%. I think for the year right now, I'm close to 57%. Uh, Let me just acknowledge right there, by the way, uh, that too much karma in me running my mouth on this. It'll get me. It will. Uh, As far as tonight goes, I did give the skins out as a lean plus six. I like them tonight. It's not a smell test pick. Um, but I kind of I've got a weird feeling that they are going to keep this one close. I give them a chance to win the game tonight. I just don't think Philadelphia uh, is is that good. Um, but anyway, back to to what we had started uh, before the self congratulation on the smell test. Uh, yes, we'll talk about the Vikings Patriots game. The rest of the league we'll get to, including. What a game last night that was between the Steelers and the Chargers with two lock Hall of Famer quarterbacks going head-to-head in a game in which the Chargers trailed by 16 at half. Um, That was quite a game. So we'll go around the league completely here uh, in a few minutes. Before we get to Skins Beat Eagles If, um, one thing's becoming clear after yesterday's results, and that is that the NFC East has a pretty good chance to produce more than just the division winner as a postseason participant. Just keep that in mind. The Redskins are very much in a division race, if you care. And if you care, they're in a wild card race too. The Panthers are in free fall after losing in Tampa yesterday. They've dropped four in a row. Um, the Bucks were a smell test winner. The entire NFC North lost. The entire division lost. Every team in the division lost and you know, the two playoff contenders, the Bears and Vikings, are playing the Rams and Seahawks, respectively, next week. So it doesn't get very easy there. Meantime, Green Bay fired Mike McCarthy uh, after the Packers lost at Lambeau to the Cardinals. Um, Packers fans cheered the firing. They've been begging for McCarthy's head, uh, and they got it with still four games left. It, it wasn't. It was going to happen at the end of the year anyway, but losing to the Cardinals at Lambeau is just too much. Uh, the Packers are 4-7-1. and one. What's interesting about their season, though, if you really look at it, they haven't been very good. But their kicking situation with Mason Crosby um, has impacted three games this year that could have been a completely made for a completely different season. 
He missed a a walk-off field goal in Week 2 against the Vikings. He missed four field goals and a PAT in a two-point loss to the Lions in Detroit. And then yesterday, he missed a kick that would have sent the game to overtime. With a productive kicking situation, it could have been a different season for the Packers, but McCarthy was likely gone anyway, barring a deep playoff run. You just can't. Um, continue to either miss the playoffs or not get to a Super Bowl when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Um, He's probably, for him, getting fired at the right time. He's got a chance to get a job. He will get a job. Not many candidates out there with his experience. Uh, Let me be clear on this. I would not want him here if there ends up being an opening in Washington. I'm not a huge McCarthy fan. I don't think he's as bad as many people think he is. Um, But if the Skins have an opening, I would hope for better than Mike McCarthy. Uh, But, of course, Jay Gruden will have something to say uh, about his future over these final five games starting tonight in Philadelphia. But anyway, back to the headline from yesterday. If you're a Skins, Eagles, or Cowboys fan, the NFC East still has a very good chance. Or let me rephrase. Now has a very good chance of getting two playoff teams. Yesterday, a good day for all three. Skins, Eagles, and Cowboys. Few NFC teams that mattered won yesterday. Seattle looks like the leader for one of those wild card spots. The race for the other one could be taken by a team that goes 9-7, and seven, maybe worse. Maybe worse this year in the, in the NFC. It's possible that an 8-7-1 and one team like Minnesota could be a six-seed. Um, Green Bay's not going to get to eight, seven, and one. I don't believe, uh, but uh, an eight and eight team isn't. You know, it's a long shot at eight and eight. Nine and seven is going to be a pretty good record in the NFC uh, when the playoffs get here. All right, let's get to Redskins beat Eagles. If all right, Redskins beat Eagles. If. Uh, the first thing I'm going to start with is the defense has to do its part tonight. You've got two defenses in this game that have been struggling the last few weeks. The Eagles mostly because of injuries. The Redskins, some of it's injury-related, but some of it's been that they just haven't been very good recently. In their last four games, the Redskins' defense is near the bottom of the league in yards per play. 28th right now, last four games in yards per play. Yards per pass attempt, 30th in the league over the last four games. Uh, The Eagles haven't been very good, though, offensively all year long. This may be a game the Redskins can get back on track defensively. They've been trying to figure it out, the Eagles have been. They're hoping Golden Tate becomes another weapon for Wentz. But this needs to be a huge step-up game for the Redskins' defense. It's not a great offense that they're going to be seeing tonight. So they need a good performance Obviously, you've got to cover Ertz. Never easy for the Redskins. Ertz, in his last three games against Washington, 23 catches, 292 yards in his last three. You look at Philadelphia, and you really do wonder why they haven't been more potent offensively this year with Ertz and Wentz and the new tight end, Goddard, and, of course, Aguilar and Jeffrey and now Tate. But they are 19th overall offensively, 23rd in the league in scoring, the Skins' defense has to have a big night tonight. They get, they must get off the field on third down. They're 28th right now in the league on third down defense. 28th. DJ Swearinger called teammates teammates out. Uh, he did after the loss in Dallas. 
Uh, I can't tell you that he called out new teammate HaHa Clinton Dix specifically, but I can tell you that HaHa Clinton Dix needs to play much better than he's played so far since getting here, or that trade's going to look like a wasted pick. If the defense steps up and can hold Philadelphia to their average of around 21 points per game, no more than that, the Redskins are going to have a decent chance to win this game. Uh, The Redskins are going to win tonight in Philadelphia if Jay Gruden lets Colt McCoy rip it. I mean, throw it. The Eagles' pass defense is 28th in the league. Philly is riddled with injuries in their secondary. they got a rookie. They've got three second-year guys back there along with Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, The Eagles are target practice and have been in recent weeks for teams. Blake Bortles threw for nearly 300 against the Eagles in London. Prescott and Eli Manning have had big days, and of course, Breeze and the Saints ripped them apart. Jay needs to find the right matchups. This is what he does well. Pass design offense, finding the right matchups. He's got a quarterback that really understands what Jay wants. Hopefully Jordan Reed's healthy. Vernon Davis is healthy. Trey Quinn and Crowder might be back tonight. Chris Thompson might be back tonight, hopefully. Come on, let him throw the football, be aggressive, let him run out of the shotgun uh, with, with with Adrian Peterson, with Chris Thompson potentially, with Capri Bibbs, but let's be aggressive in this game. Now you may say, look, the Eagles are giving up chunk yardage on the ground, and they are. Last three games, Philadelphia is giving up six yards per carry. It's about 5.8 actually. All right, so it may make more sense to establish the run, but I'm just not confident in the Redskins' run game. I'm more confident in Jay's strength, his pass scheme. Scheme it up tonight against a team that can't cover. Be aggressive, no sitting back. Every possession needs to result in some plays being made down the field. All right, Chains being moved, score-threatening drives. The Redskins punt too much all year long. Only seven teams in the league punt more than they do. They've got five games left. They've got this particular team twice, and this particular team, the Eagles, can be thrown on. Rex Ryan this morning on SportsCenter, I just made a note of this, was asked about the Skins' chances, and he said, quote, they've got Colt McCoy at quarterback. Let's face it, I'm not expecting this team to do anything, to be honest with you. You need to try to steal the game somehow, closed quote. Who cares what Rex Ryan thinks? But that is pretty much the league on Colt McCoy. There's not much faith in Colt McCoy. It's why he has not been given a chance to start for one of eight, nine, ten teams that need starters. I've never been a Colt McCoy guy in terms of him being a full-time starter either. I don't think he is, but I do think his understanding of what Jay Gruden wants will allow him to have a few moments here down the stretch, hoping one of those moments is tonight in Philadelphia because it can against that defense. Look, the Skins will beat the Eagles too if if Colt McCoy, while throwing the football and being aggressive, doesn't throw three picks. You know, he's got to have less than two. He's going to throw one. It can't be two, three, or four. The three in Dallas obviously costs them dearly, and they won't win tonight if he throws three picks. I want the Skins to let Colt, let Colt McCoy throw it. I want them to be aggressive, but he's got to throw the ball to his receivers, not the Eagles' defensive backs. 
Uh, the Redskins will win the game tonight if they tackle Corey Clement well. Clement, Clement, Corey Clement. We'll go with that. I was a big fan of him coming out of Wisconsin. I actually told Cooley uh, I would have signed him or drafted him late. He's really been valuable for the Eagles since he came into the league. He breaks a ton of tackles as a runner and a pass receiver. They've got to tackle him as a kickoff returner. He's averaging 25 yards per kickoff return. Now, he's not a league leader because he hasn't qualified with enough returns. I think he's got 12 on the year. I think you need one more than that or two more than that. But I've I've just got a feeling that he's going to be an X factor for the Eagles. The Redskins have to tackle him. They can't give up the big return to him. He's looked close to breaking a few this year. Uh, The Redskins win if all of the other stuff goes their way. Uh, All of the other stuff, meaning the turnover battle. They got none back against the Cowboys, gave it away three times. They've got to win the field position battle. They've done a good job of that all year long. They can't miss field goals either. You know, Hopkins is going to be huge for them down the stretch. Cold weather, outdoor games. Now, one of the games won't be cold in Jacksonville. That's not going to be a cold weather game. Sunday's game against the Giants right now is not only looking like a cold game, but a potential snow game at FedEx Field right now. So you got to be good in this area. You know, I've, I've looked at, I looked at the Eagles from the last four or five weeks. Teams have moved the football a lot, and they've kicked a lot of field goals. Um, the Giant kicker last week had three kicks in the game. Uh, the, uh, the Jacksonville kicker kicked four against the Eagles. Uh, now, the, the Saints didn't really need anything because they scored so many touchdowns. Dallas kicked a couple of field goals. Hopkins could be big in this game. He's got to deliver in the clutch. All right, predictions later in the show uh, with Andy. Uh, Window Nation loves this podcast. Uh, emailed back and forth with Eric uh, this morning. Harley and Aaron listen as well. If you've been thinking about new windows, I promise you, as someone who has had Window Nation install windows in my home twice over the last decade, you won't go wrong if you give them a chance. And it's a no-risk chance, too. I always mention this, but... If you trust in this podcast and in me, I, I'm not going to steer you wrong, but there's no risk in having them, co- having them come out and giving you an estimate. Call them up at 866-90NATION or go to windownation.com. Tell them I told you uh, to, to, go, to, to call them or to check them out on the web. I'm your reference for, for this. They will send out a great salesperson that will give you a free estimate. Now, time is running out on Window Nation's deal of the year. One more chance this week to buy two windows, get two free, buy four, get four free, buy six, get six free, etc. Uh, plus, 0% financing still exists right now through the end of the week for five full years. Temperatures are falling. It's going to get cold this week, very cold at the end of the week, a potential storm this weekend. It's only going to get colder over the next couple of months. You need to get those windows replaced or your energy bills will continue to climb. Window Nation has saved customers an estimated $40 million in energy over the years. This absolutely, this deal right now, the buy two, get two free, buy four, get four free, no limit, plus 0% interest for five years, will absolutely end this Sunday. 
Call today, 866-90NATION. Save thousands on your windows and your energy bills. Save today, save tomorrow, save forever. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell them I told you to call. I promise you, if you've been thinking about new windows before you pull the trigger on another company, call Window Nation. They'll give you a free estimate. They'll take good care of you. All right, let's go around the NFL. The biggest plays and the clutch moments. It's time to go around the NFL. All right, let's get to one thing before we go around the NFL, and then we'll get to Cooley. Uh, And there were a lot of good games yesterday, a lot of important games. We're in December now, people. These are significant games in the NFL. The Redskins, of course, have one tonight in Philadelphia for a share of first place. Um, I want to get to Kareem Hunt uh, before we go around the league and talk about games. Uh, The video came out on Friday. Three quick things on this, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I had a few thoughts. None of them, I'm sure, very unique or profound, but I'll give it a shot anyway. Uh, The first is this. The Chiefs cut Hunt immediately. Some of you may think, how did we get to the point where a player is just cut, not given any sort of chance to show remorse and then rehabilitate while under a serious lengthy suspension? Well, the reason is, is simple. It's video. Video changes everything. The images of him kicking that woman and repeatedly going after her isn't something you want to deal with as a business if you decide to continue to employ that person. Once they saw that video, they didn't mess around. He attacked a woman physically, and it was caught on video, and that's all they needed. He also lied about it when they asked him about it months ago. The Chiefs in this environment weren't going to mess around. Good for them. If you think, by the way, that this would have been the situation five years ago, ten years ago, a player of his importance, no chance it would have happened this way. In 2018, only the dumbest of the dumb and the numbest of the numb would have held on to him. I'm not saying that he won't get another chance to play football after a ton of remorse and rehab. I think he will, and I'm all for second chances. But that doesn't change the situation the Chiefs faced on Friday. And of course, yes, I saw all of the internet memes and jokes about the Redskins being the team thinking about claiming him right away. And listen, I was interested to see if they would do it. It wouldn't have surprised me, but they didn't. Or let me just say, they haven't yet. Um, The Skins are everyone's punching bag right now. We as fans of this team understand that. And if you're reasonable, you understand that they've earned that distinction. Second thing on this. It's, it's important because this is the continued fallout from this, if there is fallout. What did the league know? When did they know it? And what did they do about it? Same goes for the Chiefs. Both the league and the Chiefs knew about this incident. But they both claimed that while they assumed there was a video, they weren't able to get it. The league tried to investigate the allegations back in February. According to Sports Illustrated, the Cleveland Hotel or building in which Kareem Hunt lived, had the video but refused to give it to NFL investigators. Cleveland police reportedly never obtained it either because the charges were considered a misdemeanor. Police actually never filed charges. That was it. The league stopped pursuing the video. Guess who didn't stop pursuing the video? TMZ. And they got it, like they usually do. 
The league took Kansas City's word that they talked to Kareem Hunt and he denied it. So with no video, that was that. So how does TMZ get the video and the big powerful NFL isn't able to get it? Um, Some would say the reasons are sinister. You know, going further than that, some would say that the league is insensitive towards domestic violence. I'm not sure why they would be. They have every incentive business-wise to get to the bottom of these issues and resolve them quickly. What happened Friday is not good business for the NFL. The act itself, of course, but the video being released by TMZ isn't good for the NFL. I don't understand how the league with Kathy Lanier now, former D.C. police chief, now head of league security, I don't understand why they didn't get the video, and TMZ did get it. It doesn't make sense to say the league didn't want to see the video. It really doesn't anymore. It would benefit the league to get the video and suspend Kareem Hunt uh, before it comes out on TMZ. They have to know now that this stuff will eventually come out. They're not that stupid, I don't think. The best business result for them is to find the video themselves, punish the players severely because of it, but they didn't, and they haven't in the past. The last thought on this is the interview that Lisa Salters did with Hunt yesterday on ESPN. I like Lisa on television. She's good. Um, The interview isn't an easy interview going in. It's going to be uncomfortable. Um, Hunt apologized to everyone over and over again. This was the quote from Hunt that basically summed up what Salters got from him. Quote, to be exact, it don't really matter what happened. I was in the wrong. I could have took responsibility and made the right decision to find a way to de-escalate the situation. Close quote. But other than that, we learned nothing as it related to what caused him to go off. Of course, it doesn't matter what caused him to go off. His behavior is unacceptable on every level. I'm just pointing out that we didn't get any details of the incident. I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm wondering, we going to get to the specifics of what happened? Like, was he under the influence of alcohol or drugs? He said over and over again that he didn't really know what happened. He was just apologetic about it, but he didn't really know what happened, he said. Well, he saw the video. So he knows what happened, but he was trying to indicate, I thought, that he was effed up that night. But the question about that was never asked. Why did he lose it? Did the woman do something to cause him to be upset? Of course, nothing she did or could or could have done would matter. What he did was awful on every level, but we didn't get much from that interview. We got an apology and an indication that he'll seek that he will seek some anger management counseling. That was it, basically. I was watching, and I was perhaps like some of you wanting to, to know more specifics. Maybe maybe some of you didn't care. Um, you didn't get those digging questions. They weren't really asked. A tough interview to do, and I'm sure ESPN wanted a woman to do it. And Lisa's good at what she does. For the purposes of what many viewers wanted, though, we didn't get some of the questions that could have given us more answers And at the least, from an interview standpoint, would have made him answer something difficult, which I didn't think he was really put in position to do. Uh, That's it on that. All right, let's get to the games. Uh, I want to start with the Giants and the Bears. Look, the big takeaway from that game, in my view, is that the Giants are playing pretty good football right now. They could have easily beaten Philadelphia last week. If they had held on to that 16-point lead last week, if they had given... Saquon Barkley, more touches in the second half instead of four touches after 20 or after whatever it was in the first half that gave him the lead. They'd be on a four-game win streak right now. They come here Sunday, 
And here's all you need to know about that game right now. The Skins will barely be favored at home over the Giants. Right now, a projected one-and-a-half-point favorite over the Giants at home. Now, that could change based on what happens tonight, but the Giants are getting some respect now from Vegas, and they deserve it. The Bears have been an outstanding defense this year, and in the first half, they were outstanding. Uh, Barkley, after being ignored last week, In the second half against Philadelphia, 125 yards on the ground on 24 carries against the number two run defense in the NFL. Now they almost blew it, the Giants did. They had a 10-point lead late, gave up a rare onsides kick, and had to win it in overtime, 30-27. But the Giants are playing well uh, right now, playing very well. That's not going to be an easy game next week, and it won't be an easy game for the Cowboys in the season finale at the Meadowlands. All right, let's get to the Vikings-Patriots. I'll start with this, all right? Cousins didn't play well. He didn't play well. I've said it a million times when he hasn't played well. Stop telling me that I never am there when he doesn't play well. I'm always there. Always there on this podcast, on radio, on Twitter last night. They needed more from him yesterday, and he didn't give it to them. He gave it to them in a must-win last week against the Packers, but not yesterday in Foxborough against the Patriots. It's not the worst of losses to lose to the Patriots in Foxborough, but he didn't play well. They seemed to confuse him. They took Thielen completely out. Um, His O-line has struggled this year to protect him, but yesterday... I actually thought they had some run game, and I thought the O-line was decent. I'm surprised that they didn't run it more to help him out. 44 pass attempts for Minnesota, 13 runs, even though they averaged 7 yards a carry with Cook and Murray on those 13 runs. You know, against that opponent on the road, you have to be balanced. And DiFilippo didn't provide it, and could have. Look, what makes Kirk a good quarterback which is what I've always said he is, a good quarterback, is he reads it, he gets it out quickly, and he gets it out accurately. What would make him a very good quarterback is consistent ability, the ability to consistently make a play. The 4th and 11 slant to Aldrick Robinson, well short of the sticks against what I think was a zero blitz, is just not a good play. You've got to create something and find something beyond the sticks. Is he going through the process? That he likes to talk about in that spot? Yeah. Big blitz pressure, hot throw, hope Robinson breaks a tackle. But it's fourth down. you got to make a play there. Bad game for him. Just a bad game for Kirk Cousins yesterday. Unimpressive day. Unimpressive. He's had some very impressive days this year. Last week, the Eagles game, the Rams game, the Lions. He's had some impressive games yesterday was a bad game for him. A much worse game for him yesterday than the one in Chicago on Sunday night Sunday night a couple of weeks ago. That was a tough spot for anybody against that defense at Soldier Field. Yesterday, uh-uh. He needed to do more, a lot more. Look, I'm going to say this, and you can say, stop making excuses for him. I've already said he played poorly. He needed to be better, okay? But it was a terrible game for the Viking defense, too. They gave up 475 yards and 50% on third down. Look, Brady's good, but the Patriots had Minnesota guessing all day long. 
Uh, the Thielen-Belichick thing was interesting. If you missed it, uh, Belichick told Thielen to shut the F up on the sideline. You could read his lips on the replay. Thielen was complaining about what he perceived to be a fake injury to give the Pats more time to challenge that uh, fourth and one play. I think Thielen and the Vikings were upset at a lot of things yesterday. They were out of sync. The quarterback wasn't playing well. Defense clearly wasn't playing well. Uh, I don't think the offensive coordinator had a great game. Should have run the ball a little bit more. Um, But the missed PIs in the end zone that would have given the Vikings a chance to take the lead late in the third quarter, 14-10, to um, you could see how frustrated Diggs and Thielen and the sideline was after two straight throws into the corner where it was clear interference and it wasn't called. But look, the Patriots are better. Uh, Kirk needed to do more, uh, and he didn't deliver in a game in which he needed to put them more on his back. Filippo decided to put the game solely on the pass offense, and the quarterback didn't deliver. A couple of other things from that game. Sony Michelle is really good. And how about Josh Gordon? God, they're the only team for wayward souls. The only team in the league that seemingly takes everyone else's problems and makes them work. Uh, Minnesota, with the brutal schedule that they've had this year, the Rams, the Saints, the Patriots, the Bears twice, they go to Seattle next Monday night. Ouch. Uh, They're still very much in the thick of a playoff race, especially with the rest of the division losing yesterday and Carolina losing and... They've got three games at the end of the year, two at home, that they will be favored to win, but I don't think they're going to be favored. I haven't looked at the line, but I'm going to guess Seattle's going to be every bit of a two, three-point favorite at home on Monday night with the way they're playing. Let's get to the Chargers-Steelers. What an awesome football game that was last night. That was a pleasure as a football fan to watch. Now, it didn't look like it was going to be a great game at halftime. The Steelers were in control up 23-7. to But to watch those two Hall of Fame quarterbacks go back and forth was fun. The Chargers scored 26 points over the final 17 minutes of the game to win it 33-30 on a walk-off field goal. After, by the way, three offsides penalties on Pittsburgh. I'm not sure what the hell they were doing there. But they went offsides on on the first kick, which was wide left barely. Then they were offsides on the second one that they blocked, clearly offsides. And then they were offsides on the one they finally made on the third attempt. The Chargers get to win 33-30. A few few things from this game. The officiating was terrible. There was a touchdown pass in the first half by the Chargers on a clear false start that didn't get called. Uh, That may cost that particular official that missed that his job. Um, And they talked about that on the broadcast last night, which was pretty incredible because I guess apparently the same thing happened earlier in the year in a game that Cleveland was involved in, I believe, and the referee was fired the next day. This was a missed false start by, I mean, it wasn't even close, and they threw a touchdown pass on the play. Um, But this game really was about the two quarterbacks. Lock first ballot Hall of Famers, both of them. Uh, The Chargers needing a quality win. Uh, they did. They didn't have Melvin Gordon last night. I thought that was going to hurt him. But Justin Jackson, the kid out of Northwestern, was great. Watching Rivers and Ben direct and orchestrate their offenses is so much fun to watch. In the same way it was fun to watch Peyton Manning, and it is fun to watch Tom Brady and Drew Brees do it. Some of the players after the game talked about how many of the uh, how a lot of the big runs that the Chargers had were all because of what Rivers did pre-snap. He's a maestro. He really is. I know I've been over the top 
on Rivers over the years uh, as a fan, and that's bothered some of you, uh, but he's spectacular. His teams over the years have been jinxed. I mean, injuries, bad kickers, uh, a terrible move from LA to uh, from San Diego to LA, just bad luck in general. They play KC a week from Thursday night at Arrowhead. At Arrowhead. Um, the Chiefs own the tiebreakers against the Chargers right now. So the Chiefs are going to need to lose that game plus another. Now they play Baltimore this week. Kansas City does. They also have a game uh, Christmas weekend in Seattle on a Sunday night, I believe. So they could lose two more. Um, I'm rooting for that. I'd love to see the Chargers win the division because I think it's going to be really difficult for them to go on the road and win three to get Phillip Rivers to the Super Bowl, which is what I'm truly rooting for. Uh, he was great last night. Uh, he really was. That was a. It was one of the best games. Certainly one of the craziest games with respect to the the con uh, the, the contrast of Pittsburgh dominating the first half and the Chargers dominating the second half. Um, let's go to Baltimore and Atlanta, uh, which was a game uh, that the Ravens really needed to have. Look, the Ravens all of a sudden are seven and five, and the Steelers. By the way, I want to mention this. So they lost last week at Denver, a Denver team that is now rolling towards a potential wild-card spot, especially when you look at their schedule. It's a week the rest of the way. Uh, started yesterday week uh, at Cincinnati. Um, Pittsburgh should have lost to Jacksonville, too. They were down 16 nothing in the fourth quarter. They came back. They won that game. They could be on a three-game losing uh, skid right now. And the Ravens have quietly, with Lamar Jackson, won three in a row. Now, yesterday, I watched a lot of this game. I don't look, there's no way John Harbaugh can sit Lamar Jackson for the game Sunday at Arrowhead. They play the Chiefs this Sunday. They needed to win one of these two games for, for their playoff uh, race, uh, either at Atlanta yesterday or at Kansas City, and they got the one yesterday. Um, and they can't take him out now. He's won three in a row. And yeah, there are stretches where it is horrific quarterbacking. I mean, horrific quarterbacking. But at the same time, there are stretches where because he is a run threat and because they're running an offense like we saw here in 2012 to a certain degree, it is putting the defense in difficult situations to defend their run. Uh, they are running the hell out of the football right now as a team with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. Now, it's Cincinnati, it's Oakland, and it's Atlanta, all right? Two of those teams, bad defensive teams. They rushed for 207 yards yesterday. This kid, Gus Edwards, has come out of nowhere. He had 82 yards. Jackson ran 17 times for 75 yards. He also was checked for a concussion during this game. And guess who came in for a drive? RG3 came in when he was getting checked for a concussion and led Baltimore on a long field goal drive in a 13 to 10 game. He had four throws, was two for four for 21 yards. One of them was a, a third and 17 play that went for 15 yards on sort of an underneath throw, but still uh, came in and all of his teammates were thrilled for him, said that he's been a professional, that they knew he'd be ready for that spot. Uh, Jackson came in on the next drive. Uh, after he was cleared uh, from concussion protocol. But Robert Griffin III came in and played yesterday in that game and led them on a, I think it was a 14-play drive for a field goal in a crucial spot in the second half, up 13-10. to 10. 
Uh, I there, There's a quote here, and I'm going to find it real quickly from Terrell Suggs. Uh, Baltimore scored again, by the way, on defense. Uh, their defense is just ridiculous right now. Um, I'm looking for the quote from Terrell Suggs when asked about the quarterback situation. I should have written this one down. I'll paraphrase because I'm not finding it right now. When asked about the quarterback decision, he said basically not, you know, that's a decision above my pay grade. But he said, but I will tell you this, I am partial to Super Bowl MVP quarterbacks. I don't forget them. Um, that was an interesting thing from really the leader of that football team, Terrell Suggs, to say uh, when Joe's ready health-wise, uh, they believe in Joe. But I don't know how Harbaugh goes to Flacco. Now, this is going to be the toughest opponent they, they play. Another bad defense, though. Another bad defense. So maybe at Arrowhead, the best thing to do is play Jackson. They, look, they played two bad defenses coming up, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. I mean, this schedule for them has really worked out. Bengals, Raiders, Falcons. Now, Chiefs at Arrowhead doesn't look like an easy game, obviously. But from a from a defensive standpoint, they're playing some bad defensive teams. I think you stick with Jackson right now. I do. I don't think you can win in the postseason with Jackson where he is right now. He is not... Uh, let's say a consistent pocket passer. He had um, he had on a long bomb Brown deep, and he overthrew him by 20 yards on what would it should have been a touchdown. I don't think you go on the road and win a playoff game right now with him. Maybe next year or the year after you do. The future looks bright with Jackson. You know, I actually think he throws a good ball at times, a good touch ball, but he misses a lot too, and. He fumbled a couple of times yesterday. Fumbled three times in the game, Jackson did. All right, Jackson fumbled three times in the game, only lost one of them. Atlanta scored on defense. You want to know how good Baltimore's defense is? They held Atlanta yesterday. They held Atlanta to 131 yards of total offense. That's the Atlanta Falcons we're talking about. The Atlanta Falcons, they held to 131 total yards, and Atlanta's offense generated nine points. Uh, all right, let's go to Carolina and Tampa. How about the, Panth- the Panthers? Uh, they are awful right now, and it doesn't seem like they've got a chance to get out of it. I, I always say be careful about you know being definitive in, in these cases because the league changes so quickly week to week. Um, and they play, you know, the Browns, and they've got, the, but they've got the Saints twice. I think Carolina's done. Uh, Cam Newton threw four interceptions in this game, and very quietly since Jameis Winston's been back into the lineup, you know, after all of the discussion about, well, what are they going to do with Winston in the offseason? What are they going to do with him? Well, in the last two games, uh, he has thrown, uh, he's, he's basically completing 73% of his passes, four touchdowns, no interceptions in the last two games, two wins over San Francisco and Carolina, and uh, 561 yards through the air. Uh, Jameis Winston is getting it done, and I don't think there's any decision, by the way, in Tampa, right? It's Jameis Winston. What else are you going to do? How about the Colts and the Jaguars? How about the Jags in general, okay? What's going on with the Jags? They started Cody Kessler yesterday. They were shutting out the Steelers into the fourth quarter two weeks ago. They did shut out the Colts yesterday, six to nothing. 
Shut them out in this day and age in the NFL. How do you shut out Indianapolis, one of the hottest teams in the league, and a team that's been rolling offensively? They shut them out. Man, that skins at Jacksonville game, good luck. Because their defense is still nasty. Indianapolis couldn't run it to save their life. Luck through an interception. Uh, they lost a fumble in the game. Yeah, they, they were in the red zone a few times and came away with nothing. I think in, in the red zone, the Colts were 0 for 2 in the game yesterday. Uh, the Jags defensively, man, they still have talent. And one of my favorite players in the league still continues to be Ngakwe from Maryland. He is a beast. Sideline to sideline, ridiculous speed. Same with Miles Jacks, with, with Miles Jack and Telvin Smith. They just have a lot of talent. Calais Campbell. Think about them defensively. They're four and eight, Jacksonville is. You know, they lost a close game last week at Buffalo. They blew the lead against the Steelers. They lost a, a, a close game at Indy, a close game against the Eagles in, in London. I mean, their last five games, they're one and four. They could have easily won all five of them. That's another team like the Giants. They're out of it. But how will they play down the stretch? Because the Redskins play both of those teams. Both of them. Tough loss for Indy, man. You know, that, that was a smell test pick. That line reeked to high heaven. They were laying three and a half, four against a team that appeared to have given up on the season. Uh, and all it took for Cody Kessler was six points to win the game. Any score uh, did it. Uh, Indy's got Houston next week on the road, and the Texans won their ninth in a row yesterday, beating Cleveland handily. Uh, Man, the Texans right now, if you don't think they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender in the AFC, I think you're nuts. This team hasn't won nine in a row by accident. They are so good in so many ways with so many playmakers. Uh, Mayfield had a big day uh, in terms of yardage, but he threw three interceptions in the game. The thing about Houston that's different from their team this year and their teams in the past where they've been good defensively with stars on defense like Watt and Clowney and Merciless, etc., is that they've got stars on offense. Hopkins, seven catches, 91 yards. Lamar Miller, another big day, over 100 yards. Alfred Blue, what a compliment he is as a power back to Miller. And Watson is just something else, man, to watch. Cleveland's got a good defense. And Houston, this one was never in doubt. 29-13, Houston's won nine games in a row after losing their first three of the year. They play the Colts at home, and I think that will clinch the division uh, at 10-3. and I think it clinches, I'm pretty sure it clinches the division um, because they, um, maybe the Titans still have a shot after the Titans came back and beat the Jets yesterday. Um, But the Texans have the Colts, the Jets, they're at Philly, and they close with Jacksonville. I mean, they're going to be favored in at least three of the four games. I don't know what it will be at Philly when we get there on December 23rd, but Houston's got a chance to go into the postseason 13-3, and more likely than not as a 13-3 team. Now, New England's got to lose one more time because New England beat Houston in the opener. But I think more likely than not, if Houston gets to 13-3, and they're going to have a first-round bye. I think they would have one of the first two uh, seeds. It still may be Kansas City and New England. New England could lose a game. they got to play at Pittsburgh. Um, they play at a team that's always given them trouble at Miami uh, this coming week. 
Uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, Houston, can they go on the road and win? They've got the defense to do it, but if they're at home in a bye situation, they're going to be tough. I mean, if Kansas City or New England has to go into Houston in the second round as the three seed against a two seed, uh, Houston, I think, would be favored in the game. I do. Um, other games of note, how about the Seahawks? Uh, they are rolling now. Um, their defense is rolling. Uh, the defense scored yesterday for them. Russell Wilson had an odd day. He only threw 17 times and only completed 11 passes. Four of them, however, for touchdowns in the game. I like their running back situation with Carson and Penny. Um, and I'm a, I'm a Mike Davis fan. In fact, I think the Redskins should look at Mike Davis. He's going to become an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. I think they should look at a guy like him very closely. Uh, Seattle is on a roll right now, and they have now won three in a row. And remember, they came close twice against the Rams. They came close against the Chargers also. Uh, they've got the Vikings at home Monday night. Uh, they'll be favored in that game. They still have the 49ers and Cardinals. They have the Chiefs at home. Man, that that's a Sunday night game that I think at one point looked like, hmm, could get flexed, although you do have Pat Mahomes. Uh, and the chief offense in the game. Now, uh, that's your Sunday night, December 23rd game, uh, Chiefs at Seahawks. I mean, right now the Seahawks are really in strong, strong position if they win two of their final four, and they likely will be favored in three of their final four to get a wild card uh, spot. The Rams did clinch the division yesterday with their win in Detroit. Uh, the Lions were a smell test pick. They did not get it done, but they should have gotten it done, man, in that game. It was 16-13, and they had the ball late in the third quarter. Uh, and then Gurley running late. I don't know if you caught this. Before the two-minute warning, all right, with a 23 uh, to uh, – at, at that point, it was 23-16 to 16 was their lead. And he's running for in, in the clear for an easy touchdown with two and a half minutes to go, and he decides to go down short of the end zone. That, that was not real smart before the two-minute warning. Um, now, he did decide on the next play to score uh, to get the cover for the Rams, 30-16. Uh, to 16. It was not a clean game for the Rams. They threw an interception. They lost a fumble. Goff lost a fumble and threw a pick in the game. Um, and Detroit has really struggled offensively since losing on Johnson. They still don't have him back. Um, he was headed towards you know a potential rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year can, uh, candidate season, but he's missed now a few weeks uh, in a row. Um, and the Rams lock up the division there. Uh, I mentioned Denver won. I talked about them last week that their schedule was very favorable for a late season run. You know, they beat the Chargers and the Steelers back to back. They beat the Bengals on the road. They got the Niners this week. They have the Raiders still and the Browns. Denver's got a chance to get to nine, 10 wins, uh, nine for sure, and snag a wild card. Uh, in the AFC. The Dolphins are still alive. They beat the Bills 21-17, but their schedule's brutal the rest of the way. They're not a good team. They play the Patriots. They play at Minnesota. Um, they do end with the Jags and the Bills, um, but I would think that they're going to lose two of their final four and be knocked out of the playoff race. Uh, other than that, I think we covered all the games. Uh, the Titans came back, beat the Jets to keep their playoff hopes alive. I'm looking at those teams that the Redskins are going to play like Jacksonville and Tennessee and the Giants. You know, three games that you would look at their final schedule and say, all right, they can beat the Giants at home. They can beat Jacksonville or Tennessee. You know, maybe split with Philadelphia. Well, none of these games are going to be easy. Jacksonville's defense is playing lights out. The Giants are playing great football right now. The Titans, more likely than not, will have 
uh, meaning in that game to stay in a wild card race. So there. All right, let's bring in Chris Cooley, who's in Philadelphia, uh, for the call of the game tonight. Um, anything from yesterday? Did you watch football yesterday? Anything from yesterday stick out? Uh, I watched the Giants game. I love the play call to tie the ball game. Yeah. By Nagy with the pitch around to Tariq Cohen. Yeah, and the throw to Miller in the end zone. Thought that was awesome. I don't know how I, our plane took off as overtime began. Okay, and we didn't have television on the plane. How bad is that? No. Jeez. Why did you? Well, you didn't have to fly with the team. You could have just driven. You could have driven up today. Dude, here's from what. Here's yesterday. It took us. I, I got on the bus at Redskins Park at two forty. I got in my hotel at six. Oof. We flew. You could have you could have been there at, you could have easily been there by five thirty had you driven. But why I, every year I ask you to drive with me to Philly. Do you want to drive with <laughs> me to Philly? Sure. You say, yeah, you didn't I'd love ask to drive me. with you to Philly. And then the problem with driving to Philly on a Monday night game is then I gotta drive home right. at, at two in the morning, which stinks. Well you could I, I would have driven. I would have rather stayed home, but I don't want to drive home after the game. Well you could have come back Tuesday morning. That's a good point. There yeah. was nothing that would have stopped me from doing that. And you so. didn't you didn't ask me to go with you this year. I'll just I, point I that out. I realized I did that. But you didn't ask me to drive with you either. So. Um you know, you pointed out the Giants and I just mentioned this that you know, looking at the Redskins final 5 games, I mean the Giants, the Redskins right now are a projected one and a half point favorite Sunday against the Giants. They could easily be in the midst of a four-game win streak had they given the ball to Saquon Barkley in the second half last week in Philadelphia. Jacksonville, Cooley, who the Redskins play in in two weeks. Not only did they shut out Indy, but think about this from two weeks ago. They had Pittsburgh shut out going into the fourth quarter. Like Their defense still is so ridiculously talented. You know who my favorite player is. The player that I told you to tell the Redskins to draft a few years ago. The Maryland player. Yeah, spell his name again. Ngakwe. <laughs> <laughs> I remember all I told you was, tell them to check out number seven for Maryland on defense. I did, and I did. Um, but he, you know, that's not going to be easy. Tennessee's in a playoff race. That, I mean, all of these games, like the, the Giants in Jacksonville should have nothing to play for, but they're actually both playing really well. So, anyway, let's well, talk. Well, the Giants have something to play for because they have the first-year head coach with the new GM. You're playing because you're building. Yeah. I'm going to quit on a first-year head coach. I mean, if you – sorry, I, I wasn't thinking that much about yesterday. Uh, Carolina losing to Tampa. Yeah, they're, they're, and that's everything that the Redskins needed yesterday for a wild card race they got. Well, I, and I started the show off by talking about how the NFC East, you know, it did not. It, I mean, it, the three teams that are in a playoff hunt. I mean, they're they're in a wild card race, a legitimate wild card race. That's why you can never be definitive about something at week seven, week eight, week nine. Oh, the NFC East stinks; it'll only be the division winner. Right now, the probability is that the NFC East will get two playoff teams. It may not happen, but more likely than not, uh, it will get a second playoff team based on you know the Cowboys winning the division potentially. And if the, if the Redskins get to 9-7, and seven, look, the Vikings right now, with their schedule, they may get to 9-6-1, but 8-7-1 is a decent bet. Green Bay's out of it. Carolina is definitely out of it. They play the Saints two more times. 
Seattle's going to get a playoff spot in the NFC. They're a good team, and their schedule at 7-5 and five includes the 49ers and the Cardinals to go with the Vikings and the, the Chiefs. Cardinals just won in Green Bay for the first time since <laughs> 1949. <laughs> is that true? I didn't even know that. It actually is true. Um, anyway, uh, all right, let's get to tonight. Uh, what do the Redskins have to do to win in Philadelphia? This is a, one of those weird games for me because I, I, I've – consistently felt like the Redskins can win ballgames, and I, I'm going to tell you that I think they can win this game, and, and actually for some weird reason think they will win this game. But Philly's better. They're better offense, they're better defense, or their matchups are better. Other than they're so banged up in their secondary. But when you, when you look at Philly, Carson Wentz is a good player, really, really good player, Kevin. Uh, their offensive line around him – Awesome, man. And Peters and Kelsey and Lane Johnson, great players. Zach Ertz has become my favorite tight end in the league, and I don't even know if it's close right now. I think that guy's brilliant. And then they have a couple good receivers. And talking about Aguilar and and Dalshon Jeffrey, and they throw Golden Tate in the mix. This offense is really talented. How are they not scoring more than 20 points a game? I don't know. It's insanity. And I, I think this is one of those games where – Carson Wentz turns it over a couple times. You know, Carson Wentz, and here's another stat that I, I remember for whatever reason. Most fumbles in the league tied with Kirk Cousins and one other person since 2016. Wow. Carson Wentz. I, did, I didn't realize he fumbles. fumbled. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't throw a lot of picks. He protects the ball really well when he when he has the ball. I think I think Dak, Pres- Dak Prescott's probably pretty close to the top of that list, too. He fumbles a lot. Well, he throws more picks, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he does. He fumbles a ton. That's one of those things that goes really unnoticed. They, a pick is almost egregious in, in a, for a quarterback, and a fumble's like, eh, they got hit in the pocket. Right, right, true. <laughs> um, but you know, you were mentioning some of their their weapons offensively. I think that that tight end that they that they took from South Dakota Dallas State, Goddard. I think he's very good. He looks really good. I, he was my favorite tight end out of the draft. I remember that. So so why so why aren't they? He's a route runner, and by the way, they'll put Goddard on the field and throw him the ball on third down with Ertz on the field at the same time. So why aren't they scoring more than twenty points a game? They're not making the big play, and I think that's one of the things that they've been hurt by from by last year. They don't run the ball very much, but they have backs that are are getting yards per carry. I mean, when you look at their backs, it's Josh Adams right now is getting a lot of carries with Corey Clement, and then Smallwood obviously gets some touches. It's not like they're getting 2.1 per carry. So I don't know why they don't run the ball more. I don't have a, a, an ultimate answer for this offense. I think they're very good. I I think the defense is where they're lacking a little bit right now. Right. Uh, I mean, when you look at their secondary, they, they've been absolutely decimated. Decimated. I mean, they've got – They're going to play – they're going to line up. With Cravon LeBlanc, DeAndre Hall, Sidney Jones, I think Avante Maddox is out. Yep, he's I, out. Who are these guys? And here's what's wild: we don't challenge secondaries with our receivers anyway, so I don't know how it helps us. I think this. I think this is the game where Jay. This is what I said, and just tell me if I'm completely off. I don't. I don't want to 
to, 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 to go out meekly over these final five games. You've got a quarterback that understands what you want. Your strength as a head coach is scheming people open. You've got a team twice here over the final five weeks that can't cover, that has a decimated secondary. Let Colt rip it tonight. Go out there and throw it. What do you think? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think you're going to run the ball that effectively against Philly. But I, I, I would absolutely love that. I, I think that's the, the the biggest thing for us. And if you, so I've I've been watching them on film. They play cover three every snap, and they play soft. I don't know if they'll play us that way, but they played the Giants like we played Tampa a couple weeks ago. And basically said. We'll give you anything you want. You're just not going to score. Or we're going to try to stop you when you get in the red zone. I don't know why anyone would play us that way. But they believe that their rush is good enough to get home, and they don't want to put any risk on their young secondary. Or their backers, for that matter, who have also been decimated. I mean, their back seven is a mess. Right now, Malcolm Jenkins and probably – Nigel Bradham are the two left that you really know out of seven. So we'll see, man. I would put it on Colt. I would throw the ball, but you're going to have to protect him. It's obviously going to be one. He seems fearless. He can move around a little bit. Yeah. And, and, and unless you – but he, he, well, the thing is, is everyone's been running the ball on Philly. They have the last three weeks. They're giving up nearly six yards a carry in their last three games. Now – the running backs not, that they've faced are Barkley and Elliott and the Saints running backs over the last three weeks. Right. We don't have that kind of run game. Right. That's why no, if, we don't. We don't even close to have that type kind of run game. If you're telling me they're going to play soft, Jay, his pass offense, not with Alex Smith, but it should be with Colt McCoy. We should be playing pitch and catch between the twenties. Yeah, I know, and I think that. But then I think Doxson and Harris on the outside don't really have speed. So why are you going to give him a hitch? Well, then put put is Crowder going to be all right? Is he going to play tonight or not? I don't know. I think he is. I, I mean, he was warming up last week before the game. He looked pretty healthy to me in Dallas. Well, then do what you suggested. Put Thompson out there. He's gonna he's gonna play tonight, right? Yeah, that would be. That would be awesome. Move Chris Thompson into the slot. I think that would be big time. You let Jordan Reed split out wide. You can split Vernon Davis out wide. There's a Kevin. Where's a million things you can do with this offense? About a million things. So pitch and catch might is a lot harder if they they don't play soft. But Colts good enough to take care of business. The um, back to Ertz for a moment. Uh, I was, you know, we know how great he is. He's also really been great against the Redskins for some reason. They have not been able to cover him. The last three games against the Skins, he's got twenty three catches for two hundred and ninety two yards in his last three. Can't you take a guy out? Can Minuski, like I'm watching Minnesota last night. Kirk was was bad, um, but they completely Belichick got feeling. They completely took Thielen out of the game. Mm-hmm. How do you take a tight end completely out of the game? Do you bracket him? Do you uh, do you double him? Do you what do you do? Well, I think I remember last. He didn't have big games against us last year, if I remember. 
One of them, DJ Swearinger, checked him man-to-man and did a really good job almost the entire game. Maybe got beat a couple times. But, you, yeah, when you're talking about bracketing or, or what you do, you can play a man-to-man and just give inside help with the backer. It's just a lot of times that inside backer that you're helping with isn't just doubling. He's playing quarterback eyes. So he better know if the quarterback's going to look at Zach Ertz or go in that direction that he's really got inside help if you want to take him out that way. But here, here's the thing with Ertz. He runs every route the same speed. And he he's a three-level kind of player. Even though he's not blazing fast, you never know if he's running a corner out. You never know if he's going to run a corner out and go bend it up the sideline corner takeoff. He runs. He will run this tomorrow three times in the game, a corner out stop, the one that we threw a pick on in the red zone to Jordan Reed. Tonight he will. The game's three not tomorrow. Game. He's make a sure. master of that. He's the number one route runner of that route. He'll run routes from the outside. He runs. does a great job with dig routes. He's been phenomenal this year in the seam on verticals. Like, and it's crazy because here's what I love. Like you can tell I'm getting hyped about this. I wish our guys would do more of this stuff. And I mean everybody, receivers, tight ends, everybody. He sees the defense that's in front of him, and so he understands the responsibilities of the defenders in front of him. So if he's going to run a seam route, and he's got a defender just outside of him. There's a big difference if he's a man coverage or if he's a cover three player. If he's a cover three and he's got him just down and outside of him, he sees that that guy's going to play the flat. So Zach Ertz running the seam route makes this wide bubble like he's going all the way to the flat, and then that defender goes, oh, that's my pants. i got to go to the flat and cover him, and Ertz is right up the middle on the seam. He's smart, man. Uh, Don't play zone to him. He'll beat you. He had 13 catches for 182 yards and a touchdown in the two games against the Redskins last year. I feel like DJ did a good job when he had to check him, too. Don't play zone to him. Yeah. He knows what you're doing. And if you are going to play zone, you better jam him and reroute him and move him, and you're going to try to do that, and you're probably not going to do it. You said you have a feeling that they're going to have a chance to win this game and that they might win this game, but Philadelphia is better. They've got better players, and there is this disconnect with the Eagles this year. I mean, I, it's not the loss of Jay Ajayi. It's not the, the Wentz thing anymore. They're, ju- they're just not the same team for whatever reason offensively. But I also have gotten a sense from you in our conversations on the podcast and off the air that there's a bit of a disconnect with with the Redskins offensively too, that there are things there that they're not able to take advantage of. Um, and I said to you, well, if they're playing soft, they should be able to pitch and catch it. And you're like, yeah, they should. But you don't seem to be confident that they will. What's holding them back offensively? It's just I don't know. <laughs> you don't you don't like this team right now offensively. I, know. I I I don't. Okay, I think that they have competent play calls. I think that some of the play structure is good. I like a lot of the passing game. I don't necessarily like the running game. Here's what I think it is. I think that Jay's a, a coach that's trying to be a balanced coach. Okay, he wants to run the ball. He wants to try to maintain balance because you're supposed to maintain balance and teams that run the ball end up winning when you look at it. Our run game doesn't complement our pass game at all. None. You don't set up play action for it. I think I went through my list of 
of plays this year. I think we have like nine total bootlegs run on the season. So and we don't create any dynamic play action looks by our run game. And so it's hard to just play pitch and catch because people can show you different looks. They can move around. They're not concerned about you, you actually running. And they're certainly not concerned that they won't get an early key on a run play and, and not have to play run or pass. I think that's what slowed this offense down the most. So if they have oh, – And by the way, yeah. sorry, lack of speed completely on the outside. Really, that, that actually slowed them down quite a bit too. Um, when they were running the football and at least in theory playing complementary football – They did not set up their pass game. It wasn't setting up their pass game. And, and specifically, it's because there isn't enough zone run scheme where you can boot off of it, where you can play action off of it. I wouldn't say specifically because of that. Because I, I think it's more like the RPO doesn't really set up anything but RPO. And we've gotten away from some RPO. The, one of the best run plays they've had this year and the highest averaging run plays is pulling both your center and your guard. Right, like a counter. You're, you're, you're running that sweep play. Yeah. That's not, it's hard to play action off of that sweep play. I, I guess you could boot off of it, but you can't pull your center and guard when you're booting off of it, and so you're not going to give the same action. So that's been one of your key plays you haven't run it effectively with zone and when you do run zone when this team does run zone it doesn't try to stretch to the edge it tries to cut back every time to the inside and you can see that by the course or the track that the back takes that they don't really want to capture the outside until you really start to capture the outside besides the toss play every once in a while no one is ever going to run and press the line of scrimmage they're going to they're gonna play their gap and they'll backdoor fill and they'll say, worst case, we're going to give up three or four yards here. Can't get outside. Defense will stay inside. Their worst case scenario is three yards. And if someone else wins, it's zero. You know, when you just said the toss, like I don't know how many times they've tossed it to Adrian Peterson when he's been lined up sort of uh, deep uh, as an eye back, for the lack of a better description. But I think that's worked more than some of those shotgun counter-looking plays. He's had success in a lot of different things. I think that I'm really interested in, in you know, how he's feeling right now. Is he is he at the same? He's not at the same level he was in the first three weeks, and he certainly isn't the same level he was in the preseason. I'm pleased that he's healthy, and I think he's he's a good player for this team right now. But can he cut it up and, and make a downhill run where he's getting eight inside in between the tackles right now? Like we haven't seen that in the last three weeks. You, you've seen him get to the edge a bunch, and you've seen him get strung out some. Maybe one or two times where he cuts it hard inside that he's getting a ten-yard carry. That's what we we really need. All right, uh, last, and I'll let you run. Um, you saw the Cowboys Thursday night and what they did to New Orleans with their defense. Uh, it was actually refreshing for me because I, I want to still believe that really great defense can still win against great offense. Uh, I enjoyed that game. I didn't want Dallas to win the game, but I enjoyed watching it. Um, the, the, ch- the chances the Redskins win the division are what? I mean, what would you put them at right now? One and three? One and two? Or one and five? One and three, five, seven? It's got to be an odd number, I think. Like your remote control. Um, <laughs> I, I'd say... I. 
I would say they've got about a, a one in three chance. I, I, I think the Cowboys are, well, they are the prohibitive favorite, and I think they deserve to be. I think they're the best team in the division. I don't think it's, I think right now, and we know the league changes quickly, but right now they're the best team in the division. Yeah, it's interesting because I think Philly gives them a run for their money in any given game right now. And I, I think we can play with Dallas, no problem. If Philly had a couple players healthy in the secondary, it's it's a little bit different. But that said, all you have to do is win all your games, Kev. Yeah. you got to beat the Eagles and the Jaguars who stink and Texans who stink and the ju- but none right. of them actually stink as bad as it seems. Exactly. They're all pretty confident in NFL teams. <laughs> right. Okay. And, you, and you just have to win all your games. All right. So are they going to win three of the final five and make the postseason? Right now, on record. What's wrong with you? I can't. How am I supposed to go on record? <laughs> like, what am I, Nostradamus? I yeah, would... Kev, oh, buddy, they're going to win three of the final five. They could ease this one thing that's hard with this team this year. They could easily win three out of the final five. I think they could win four out of the final five, but they could also win one out of the final five. I don't. I still don't know who this team is. I don't think they know exactly who this team is. And I know if you're watching as a fan, you don't you don't have a great feel of who this team is. Is that fair enough to say? Actually, but it's easier for me to say I don't know what the hell they're going to do versus I have expectations. You gave me the answer I wanted to hear because by asking that question, you basically, I think, spoke for everybody, and that is who the hell knows who this team is? Like, look at their schedule, and yeah, they could win all those games, but you know what? They could lose all of them too. That is not a, that's not out of the question either. That I don't think put it this way. I think the chances of them losing five in a row to end the season are better than them winning five in a row. But the but every other possibility, winning four, losing four, winning three, losing three, are all are, are, are equal. I, I don't know what I, I, I don't know how to figure this team out. And until we see Colt McCoy tonight with a week and a half of practice, because we were told that that was important. It's, I know, but it's not that important. Okay, well, there you go. So, all Here's right. what I can tell you, that you're not winning this division if you lose tonight. Uh, I would agree with that, I think. I think I would agree with that. I get that anything can happen, but... No, nah, that's not true. They can lose tonight and still win the division. They could. Yeah. Because, they could. Because they're the, not going to. Because the Cowboys could lose next week to Philly, and I'll tell you what, them closing the season in the Meadowlands against the Giants won't be easy either. And they've got to go to Indianapolis. Yeah, but if And you, they've got to play if, Tampa, if, who can score. Yeah, but you just painted a picture where if the Cowboys, if Philly wins, if we lose, then Philly's got to go play Dallas, and they beat Dallas, then they'll probably end They'll probably take it from us. But you then, lose tonight, you're not But then the they division. follow that up with a, with a game against the Rams. In L.A., like it's not going to be easy, and then they got the Texans coming in. Like the, that's true. They have got a brutal schedule. Brutal, brutal. Um, I just don't think you're winning the division if you lose the game tonight. Okay. Doesn't mean you're out. Everything, everything, like we talked about, happened in the in the NFC for the wild card to be even easier. All right. Thanks. I will talk to you tomorrow. Appreciate it. See ya. 
All right, let me tell you about Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. If you're considering something new, Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax should be on your list. Uh, you can go to FarishCars.com right now to see their live inventory and best deals. They make it easy for you. I've been friends with Ralph Perkins and Kevin Farish for over uh, 10 years now. They're smart. They know what their customers want. They make it easy for them, and I promise you that if you give them a chance, they won't disappoint. Their sales team, super experienced. In fact, most of their sales reps have 20 years of experience at Farish. Uh, their service department is the best. If you've got a scheduled service, you're in and out quickly. Now, right now, Farish has the best rebates they've had all year long. They're trying to get rid of their inventory by the end of the year, and that means great deal opportunities for you. The Jeep Cherokee, the Grand Cherokee, the Wrangler, Ram pickups, best deals of the year on all of those vehicles. Farish is located right there in Fairfax Circle. Ask for Ralph Perkins when you get there. Tell him I sent you. He will take good care of you. If you want to find everything they've got right now, including live inventory and live pricing, just go to FarishCars.com. Let's get to Weekend DVR. Did you have a busy weekend? Don't worry. We've got you covered. It's time for Weekend DVR. Okay. Uh, we'll start with the college football playoff. Um... It's Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and the big debate after Saturday was, would it be Oklahoma, Ohio State, or Georgia? Now, um, there were compelling arguments for all of them. Let me just tell you that it's, it's a question of most deserving versus best team. Georgia's the best team of those three. If you were trying to put together the best four you actually wouldn't even have Notre Dame in the best four, more likely than not. You would have had Georgia and then probably Oklahoma or Ohio State um, in there. I'm not going to say LSU anymore. I think if LSU had beaten Texas A&M last week in a game they should have won in the seven-overtime game as a two-loss team, they would have been interesting in that spot. Um, but the most deserving um, turned out to be turned out to be Oklahoma as the four spot. There's so much that goes into it. Um, the numbers were were relatively close with Oklahoma and Georgia in particular. Georgia finished fifth in the college football rankings. Ohio State sixth. Look, we knew last week when Oklahoma was ranked ahead of Ohio State that that's the way way they were leaning. And if Oklahoma beat Texas, it was going to be. Oklahoma more likely than not. And the assumption at the time, too, was that Georgia was going to get beat. Um, but they, while they did get beat, they got beat in a way that made everybody take pause. Because for three and a half quarters of that game, Georgia appeared to be the better team. They really did. I mean, let's be honest. They kicked Alabama's ass for about two-plus quarters. They were in control of that game. I'm not saying they ever had the game iced like it was over. I mean, the score, they were up 21-14, they were up 28-14 in that game. Um, you know, so it wasn't like they completely had it put away at any point, but they were the better team for two and a half quarters. They missed a field goal. The guy, Rodrigo Blankenship, their kicker, missed a 30-yard field goal to put him up 31-14 midway or late in the third quarter. That was a killer, killer miss up 17 in that spot, I don't know if they give that lead up. Now, the best story of the game, and maybe the best story of the entire college football season, is Tua goes down. By the way, he got hurt early. 
Georgia's defense was exceptional early. What a great football game this was. It was clearly the two I don't want to I don't want to exclude Clemson. They're the three best teams, Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson in terms of the talent on the field on both sides of the ball. That was evident. Georgia moved the football and they stopped Bama from moving it. Um Tua gets hurt early. He's in and out of that tent and then finally gets hurt late. And they are uh, down 28-21 in Jalen Hurts, who was benched in the championship game against Georgia last January and was the best teammate, just handled the situation with about as much class and sportsmanship um, and, and team first than anybody you could have ever imagined. Everybody expected Jalen Hurts to transfer. He didn't. He loves Bama. He wanted to be a part of the team. And he came in off the bench for the first time this year in a big spot to save Alabama in the SEC title game. And he went 7 of 9 for 82 yards, threw a touchdown, ran for a touchdown on two drives to give Alabama a 35-28 lead. Nick Saban, when he was interviewed on the field afterwards, he never gets very emotional. And in talking about Jalen Hurts, he almost broke down. What a great story that was. I was rooting for Georgia the entire way, but when Jalen Hurts came in and led them to those two touchdowns, it was tough not. It was tough not to be happy for that guy in that spot. But when the game was over, uh, by the way, there were a couple of things in this game I wanted to just mention. Obviously, the fake punt. What, what, what was Kirby Smart thinking? If you're if you want to go for it in that spot, uh, you know down you know at twenty eight twenty eight, um at midfield fourth and eleven. If you really want to go for it, for crying out loud, keep your quarterback who's been killing it all day, Jake Fromm, and your best players on the field, and throw the ball with your best players. Instead, they went with the backup quarterback in a fake punt play against a defense, not a punt return defense. Their starting defense was on the field in safe mode. If anything, they should have called the play off. It's a terrible decision. It's easy to hindsight it, but in the moment when it happened, you're like, what are you doing? First of all, in a 28-28 game with three minutes to go, your defense has played Really good football. Now, Hertz did lead, uh, you know, part of that 16-play, 80-yard drive that tied it. But was he going to do it twice with bad field position at the end there? Maybe he would have. He went 52 yards for the game winner. Would he have gone 90 if you could have punted it to the 10? Uh, it was just a crazy decision. Kirby Smart also, um, I mean... This will be in coaching blunders, what he did at the end of the half. He nearly cost them dearly at the end of the half. Should have His plan was to, to, to run the clock out. And when your plan is to run the clock out, run the clock out in the safest mode possible by taking a knee. He decided to throw a little screen deal that sailed over the running back's head and nearly got picked. Anyway, uh... What happened basically ultimately is by watching Georgia play Bama, Georgia became part of the conversation. And, you know, if they had lost soundly, you know, a two-loss team, non, you know, non-champion team wasn't going to be given the, the light of day. They weren't going to give an, they wouldn't have been given any part of that conversation. But if you watched the game, you're like, wait a minute. If Bama's our number one team, 
The team that they just played is the only team they've played this year that literally had them beat and could go toe-to-toe. Uh, that's why Georgia was fifth. Uh, why Georgia wasn't fourth was clearly the, the quantifiable numbers. And I think this, I think this, I think the coaches on that committee, like Frank Beamer, said, you know what, man? Oklahoma may be a horrible defensive football team, but their offense is not easy to game plan for. And Kyler Murray is just impossible to game plan for. And Oklahoma and their offense, historic offense, is going to be uh, rewarded in this playoff with a one-loss season and avenging that one loss in a game uh, against Texas in the Big 12 championship game. A game, by the way, that the final score was not indicative of this game. Texas had a legit shot to win this game. Texas is down 30-27. to 27. They're on the move, all right, late in the game. And they had a third and nine at, like, the Oklahoma 40-yard line, 45-yard line, that was clearly pass interference. No call. They punt it. A couple of plays later, there's a safety. Uh, then the they, Oklahoma gets it back, and it's 39-27 just like that. Texas was on the move, should have gotten the P.I. call, should have continued to move to either tie the game at 30 or take the lead 34-30. Um, you know, the fine line in a game like that. That game was close. Texas played well. Uh, look, Oklahoma made some plays defensively in the game. They did. I mean, they, they've made a couple of plays defensively in the last couple of weeks uh, against uh, West Virginia and Texas. But still, um, Oklahoma, the numbers and Kyler Murray and that historic offense are good for number four in the playoff rankings. I'll, I'll say this too. I mean, not every year works out this way, but you know, the, the college football um, uh, says that they are not considering expansion of the playoff field. This would have been the year for six, right? Ohio State six, Georgia five, Oklahoma four, Notre Dame three. You get an Ohio State-Notre Dame first-round game, Oklahoma-Georgia first-round game, and the winners play Alabama and Clemson. Right now, Alabama's a a 14.5-point favorite over Oklahoma, and Clemson's an 11.5-point favorite over Notre Dame. I I personally don't think Oklahoma has any chance against Bama. I think that it's got 63-37 written all over it, something like that. Oklahoma's going to score against Bama, but they're not going to get any stops. And Alabama will go into that game knowing, look, if we get two or three stops, it's over. We win this game going away. It'll be so much easier, too, for Bama to play Oklahoma after playing Georgia, after playing Auburn, after playing Mississippi State and LSU. The defenses that Bama's offense has faced over the last month or so of the season, playing Oklahoma's defense is going to be so, so easy for them. They're going to be like, whoa, what does the SEC have that the Big 12 doesn't? Defense. Um, anyway, uh, you know, other than that, I, 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 I essentially, before it was announced, I personally would have preferred Georgia in it for and seen a rematch of Alabama-Georgia. Uh, but Oklahoma, I thought, would get it because I thought ultimately um, a one-loss champion was going to trump a two-loss non-champion. But to me, netting this whole thing out, Georgia would have had a chance to win the national championship, and Oklahoma, in my view, does not have a chance. 
to win the national championship. And as far as the conversation about Notre Dame, you know, if you're talking about the best four teams versus those that are deserving, look, if you're talking about the best four teams, yeah, Notre Dame I don't think would have been in that group. But it's it's about deserving. Even though Georgia was ranked ahead of Ohio State in the final rankings, fifth versus sixth, they, they didn't like Ohio State all year. That's another game, too. You know, you, you'll look at the final score of Ohio State uh, Northwestern on Saturday night, and you'll say, well, they, they took care of business, 45-24. to 24. That game was 24-21 in the third quarter. I mean, there, there were a lot of opportunities for Northwestern in that game to be in it. They were 31-24 down with, you know, eight minutes left in the game. They were down a touchdown. Uh, Northwestern wasn't as good as Ohio State. I'm not suggesting that. And my God, has Dwayne Haskins turned it on here. I was not a fan uh, of him in the current during the early and mid-portions of the season. Um, But he has, I mean, in the last two games, 11 touchdown passes and nearly 900 yards passing. Wow. Wow. 11 touchdowns, one pick, and nearly 900 yards passing in the last two games. The most two impressive games, uh, the the two most impressive games for Ohio State all year, the win over Michigan, uh, scoring 62 against that defense, and then beating Northwestern. Again, not an impressive win resume-wise, but Haskins was sensational. They actually got moved on, though. I I, I, I just, I'm not going to take much longer on this, but I think they just looked at Oklahoma and they said, look, Ohio State's not that good defensively either, and Ohio State doesn't have Oklahoma's offense. Um, all right, a couple of other things from the weekend. Uh, Friday night, the Caps won again, and Tom Wilson got thrown out. I saw the play. Didn't look like he should have been thrown out. They blew a lead yesterday. Um, and lost to the Ducks 66-5. Uh, the Wizards beat the horrible Nets after getting blown out uh, embarrassingly on Friday night to the 76ers. Um, the Wizards play tonight against the Knicks. The Knicks have played better. Um, they're on the road. There were some trade rumors over the weekend, like Otto Porter getting dealt um, and uh, to the Sixers, in fact, was one of the teams that he was rumored uh, to to get to be dealt. I still think the Wizards are going to pull the trigger here on moves. Um, I believe that they will. Uh, that loss uh, Friday night to the 76ers. I mean, how many games are the Wizards down 20 in the first half? It seems like every night the Wizards are, or every other night, they're down 20 in the first half. Uh, what else did we have? I did not watch the fight. Um, you know, so maybe Tommy did. So we'll save that for Tommy. Uh, Tommy will probably be best just one day. He's on vacation this week too, but he'll join us Thursday by phone. Tomorrow will be a Redskins Eagles uh, recap day um, for the whole uh, for the entirety of it. Uh, Maryland got a big win on Saturday at Xfinity Center over Penn State. Uh, I got to tell you, you can't turn the ball over as much as they turn the ball over. Um, they they. Penn State's good. Penn State's got some players, man. They beat Virginia Tech last week in the ACC Big Ten game, which, if you didn't know, Virginia Tech was ranked 12th in the country. So Penn State, you know, has has some players. They've, they've got some. They've got some good players. I mean, Stevens is good. Reeves is good. Glad to see Miles Dredd from Gonzaga playing for them uh, early um, as a as a freshman. Uh, but they. Um, 
they M- Maryland turned it over 17 times in the game. Cowan hit two dagger threes late. They were big shots. He's got to protect the ball more. He's got it exposed too much in traffic. Uh, and, and Maryland doesn't handle, I don't know why this is, they don't handle minimal half-court pressure well. Um, they, For you basketball people out there, for most of you, you're not really going to care about this, but for you basketball people out there, coaches in particular, players in particular, when you see a half-court 1-2-2 two, two trap, where do you not go with the ball with the dribble? Uh, you don't go across half-court on either sideline into the trap areas. They did it on three different occasions with the dribble. That that half-court trap is easy to beat. 2-1-2, two, two, reverse the ball, goes to the middle, boom. You got a 2-1-1 you got a, a on, one on the other end or a 3-on-2. I, I, I don't understand why they don't understand how to X and O against a half-court trap. They're trying to screen it, and then they're dribbling into the trap areas. It make it just makes no sense. Iowa's a team that's trapped them a lot over the few years they've been in the Big Ten, and Maryland's had some trouble with it. Uh, don't 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 send me tweets about Coach Sheehan coaching uh, old old Mark Turgeon up. I mean, he knows what to do, and I'm sure the players just aren't listening. But you do not against a half court trap in basketball dribble across the half court line on the sideline. You have then the sideline as a trap player. You have the half-court line as a trap area. And you got two players trapping you. You're, it's dead territory. It's like that's something so basic from travel basketball as a sixth grader. You don't dribble against half-court pressure. You pass against it. When you dribble into those trap areas, you're dead. And they just did it like three straight times. Uh, Cowan, two big daggers, though. Fernando was a beast in the game, and Stick Smith played great. Jalen Smith had a really good game against a tough, hard-nosed defensive team in Penn State. Uh, Maryland 7-1, and one, they go to Purdue uh, this week. Uh, Purdue is on a losing skid. I, I, I think they've lost two or three in a row. They lost to Florida State, and then they got hammered by Michigan. Michigan appears to be really good this year. It's early. They're eight and zero. They're going to climb in the rankings. I don't. I'm. I'm wondering if Maryland is still ranked. I'm going to see if the, if it's out this week. No, the new one isn't out this week. Uh, I'd be surprised if Maryland losing to Virginia at home by five and then beating Penn State if that knocks them out of the rankings. I don't think it will. Um, Purdue may be knocked out of the rankings. They were 19th last week and they lost two two games uh, this week to to two good teams, uh, but they'll be desperate in. You know, in an old Big Ten battle on Thursday night, nothing like Maryland and Purdue and West Lafayette in December. Anyway, uh, what else did I have on weekend DVR? Let me check my notes here. Um, did you see the story where uh, a sports book started paying out Alabama futures bets on the national championship already? I don't get that. Oh, here's I, I wanted to say this. For those that watch Boise State, Fresno State, and you probably didn't, it was a snow game. It's second straight week we've seen a really good snow game. I mean, heavy snow falling during the game. Washington, Washington State from the week before. So now all the networks, Fox, ESPN, they have this, um, they have this ability to transpose in dark sort of gray the yard lines and the num- the the you know 30, 40 yard line, the hash marks over the snow. 
so you can see it versus a snow-covered field where you're just guessing. I don't like that. I, I If you're going to get a snow game and a football game, let's see what the players are dealing with. Let's see the snow-covered field and not knowing exactly where the ball is. Because once they transpose that dark gray yard line, you know, and the hash marks over the field, first of all, it looks weird. And you can't see the snow as much anymore for whatever reason. I hate that. I'd like to see them end that, um, actually. <laughs> uh, what else did I have before we get to Andy? Um, why was Otto? Can somebody just tweet me as to why Otto Porter was out with for personal reasons on Friday? Nobody's reported on that. Um, that's it. Uh, Let me tell you real quickly about launch workplaces in Bethesda. Um, If you are looking for office space in the Bethesda, Chevy Chase, Upper Northwest D.C. area, if you live in that area, or just over the American Legion Bridge in Northern Virginia, um, consider launch workplaces. You can find out everything you need to know about launch workplaces at launchworkplaces.com. But they have affordable private office solutions so you can get work done. If the kids are there, the dog's at home, and you're working from home. Beautiful new space uh, in all of their locations. They provide fully furnished offices, conference rooms, co-working desks, high-speed internet, complimentary drinks, and a lot more. Um, You can get more work done today by moving your office to launch workplaces. Call today for an exclusive free two-day trial, 240-800-6714, or go to launchworkplaces.com today. Tell them I told you to call, and you'll get an exclusive free two-day trial, 240-800-6714, or launchworkplaces.com. All right, let's bring in Andy Poland uh, to finish up the show. We'll get to skin score and more in a moment, but Andy all year long has been doing historical lookbacks at the upcoming opponent, uh, and this is an easy one to do. We've got yeah, a lot of well, history here. Yeah, we could do the most recent Monday night disaster, which was in 2010, but that was at FedEx. So tonight is going to be in Philadelphia, so let's go back to Philadelphia at the vet. November 12th, 1990, in a game that became known as the body bag game. The uh, Eagles won the game 28-14, to 14, but that's really only part of the story. You have to go back the week before. Redskins are playing in Detroit. Mark Rippon, who had won the starting job, is not healthy. He's out with a knee injury. So they start Stan Humphreys. Humphreys is stinking out the joint. In the third quarter, they're down 35-14. They insert Jeff Rutledge, who I guess technically would be the third-string quarterback, and he engineers until the you like that game, the greatest comeback in Redskins history. That's they right. went at 41-38 in overtime. So the next week, they're going to play at Philadelphia. There's some bad blood before the game. Reggie White is accusing Jeff Bostick of being a dirty player, maybe just to get inside Bostick's head, whatever the reason. Bostick said, hey, you know, I had a serious knee injury. I'm not cutting anybody at the knees. But that was the backdrop going into this. Plus, you know, they're division rivals. They don't like each other anyway. Uneventful first half. They're tied at seven. Second half, Wetz Hopkins blitzed. Now, again, Rutledge is getting a start here because Humphreys wasn't good the week before. And Rutledge gets his hand bruised on this. Ball pops out. Clyde Simmons picks it up for a touchdown, and they're on their way. 21-7. Then Stan Humphreys has to come in because Rutledge is knocked out with a thumb injury. Humphreys gets knocked out by a knee injury, carted off the field. Brian Mitchell comes in 
leads a TD drive, completing three of six passes for 40 yards and scores on a one-yard run. But they were out of quarterback at that point. So right. if he got hurt, they were really in trouble. They had Gary Hogaboom on the roster, but he wasn't active for this game, which is important because the rule changed that changed after this, which we'll get to. But all in all, six Redskins were carted off, two quarterbacks, two kick returners, the middle linebacker, whose name was Greg, Greg Minuski. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, right. And, and, a, uh, and a running back, George Rogers, also was uh, not George Rogers, but there was a, another running back that was, that was carted off the field. So while these guys were being carted off, one of the Eagles goes over to the Redskins sidelines and says, hey, Coach Gibbs, you better get some body bags for these guys. And that's how it became known as the body bag game. Now, the follow-up is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, this is the days before sports radio. So guaranteed, if you and I were doing a Monday morning quarterback show, the next day somebody invariably would have called up and said, you know, the offense looked pretty crisp with Brian Mitchell there. You know, maybe you ought to think about starting him. <laughs> Not true. Not, no one would no. have called up and said that. Although although he did, uh, he was three for six in the game and then scored on a quarterback sneak late to, to make the score 28-14. Yeah, yeah. So, so what I'm Nobody saying would have no, Somebody would have called up and said, hey, this Humphreys guy's been terrible, Rutledge isn't any good. But they did come back with Rippon either the next week or a few weeks later, I think. Yeah, he was healthy. Otherwise, they were going to have to start Gary Hogaboom in the next game. But Tony said, this is something that everyone in Dukes will be talking about tomorrow. In other words, there was no sports radio to vent this kind of thing. So the only venting was done at Duke Zebert's among, you know, his crowd, the, yeah. uh, the, the upper crust crowd. Uh, so uh, you didn't so have anyway, to be that, upper crust to go to Dukes. No, no. And I, I, I say that with tongue in cheek, <laughs> but that, that, that's what, uh, that, that was all part of it. So anyway, the following year, was when they instituted the rule that you could dress a third quarterback and wouldn't count against your 47 right? so that you could play him. Um, and then, uh, you know, the Redskins did go on to make the playoffs that year, and they played the Philadelphia Eagles back at the vet, and they beat them 20-6. to six, And Buddy Ryan walked off the field with, like, 10 seconds left to go in the game. It's the last game he ever coached in Philadelphia. Andy, you know, um, it was a few years ago, I forget when, uh, but I did a segment – um, a Redskins segment, the most satisfying win of all time as a Redskins fan. That win in the postseason at Philadelphia after the body bag game a month earlier as a fan is maybe the most satisfying win I've ever felt as a fan. It was the Redskins were an underdog in that game. I mean, Philadelphia mm-hmm. was on a roll. They were supposed to win the game. They had crushed the Redskins in the body bag game in late November. And the Redskins went in there. And this is where Gibbs was brilliant. I mean, Gibbs, Gibbs, you know, for a while was up there among, and he still might be up there uh, among coaches with the most road playoff wins. But he just, he had Buddy's number. I mean, he. They, they frustrated uh, Randall all day long. Rippon didn't have a great day, but he had a good enough day throwing it and had a couple touchdown passes, and they won yep. in Philadelphia, and, and Buddy Ryan was, was fired the next day, and it was just... You know, in this long history of, of the NFC East rivals, you know, all four teams, there are great games and memorable games. That one was just flat out, as a fan, satisfying, because it really is one of the great revenge games in franchise history. No question. And you remember that Randall was benched at halftime. It was Jim McMahon who played the second half in that game. And 
people couldn't really figure out why because Randall hadn't been that bad, but it was just Buddy being Buddy. And Monty Coleman had a great quote after that. He said, people threw dirt on us all year. They didn't know we had shovels. <laughs> so <laughs> the next week they went to uh, San Francisco. Yep. Lost to the 49ers, uh, but then the next year, of course, they won the Super Bowl. Well, they went to, they went to the to Candlestick the next week, and the game was a yeah. good game. I mean, Rippon ended up throwing too many picks. I think he threw four picks in the game, three or four picks in the game. Um, but right. they had a chance going into the fourth quarter uh, in that game, uh, you know. And it was it was the setup for what would become you know the greatest team in franchise history the following year. No question, no question. But the the body bag game is certainly remembered. Also yep. remembered is uh, just before that, Art Monk, who never said anything almost the entire time he was here, got up and made a speech before the game, and people said, "Ooh, wow, this must be really important." Yeah. Uh, all right, you ready to get to uh, score more? Score more. All right, yeah. let's finish up the show with Redskins score more. Time to settle the score. Is score and more. All right, six point underdogs at the link tonight against the Eagles. Um, they don't have to win this game. They're in the wild card race after everything that happened yesterday. Even yeah. with a loss, they're still in the division race with a loss. But what do you think? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're so hard to predict. Uh, if they can run the ball, that should set up the pass. And if they can set up the pass, you got a secondary that's missing what two starters. So, uh, you know, I think they can throw on him. Colt McCoy, though, um, he did not look as good as he should have looked against Dallas. Now, he's had the full time to practice, and Chase Daniel had that yesterday for for Chicago, and for most of the game, he was terrible. So what I'm getting around to is it's hard to predict what Colt McCoy is going to do, but I'll say he'll play pretty well, and I think they'll win this game. I think they'll win it 24-17. to 17. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Um I I don't know why I like the Redskins tonight. We I had Cooley on the show earlier. There's really sort of a nondescript um, feeling about this team. It's hard to really identify yeah. what they're good at, what they're not good at, whether you know they've got a shot or they don't have a shot. But you could say the same about the Eagles. I, I just think the Redskins are going to have a chance to win this game. So I think there's going to be some points tonight. I think the Redskins and Eagles too. are going to are going to score some points, and I think it's a 28-26 Redskins win. The difference is that the Redskins come up big with red zone defense and get stops and force field goals. And on the flip side, Colt McCoy makes some makes some big throws. He throws for 300 tonight and at least two touchdowns. He probably throws a pick too, but they win oh, yeah. this game 28-26. And that really would doom Philly uh, in in this situation. The Redskins can survive a loss tonight. Philly dropping to five and seven would pretty much do them in, even though they have another game against the Cowboys and another game against the Redskins. They also play the Rams and the Texans. Yep. So yeah, I, I agree with that. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I'm not going to be surprised really at any result tonight because again, I don't have. I think everybody feels the same way. There's not a real good feeling on what they are right now or or the state of mind after everything that happened last week with you know dysfunction once again. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I, I think that that has affected the perception of the franchise to the fan base. I don't know if the players have internalized any of that. Yeah, Cooley says think- no. Cooley says, yeah, no, I, they, I yeah, players don't really pay attention to that. And even if they yeah. get asked about it, it's not a big deal. Um, what's, what's more important is that they've lost two in a row. 
uh, and they're and potentially their confidence with it. But they get some players back tonight. Getting Chris Thompson back tonight and potentially Jamison Crowder could be really big for them. I think Thompson has been missed dearly and could be a huge difference maker if he's healthy down the stretch. And you got to wonder about Quentin Dunbar, who shouldn't have been on the field on Thanksgiving. And if he is healthy tonight, I think that's going to make a big difference too. Agreed. All right, uh, thanks. I'll talk to you next week. All right. All right, thanks to Andy. Thanks to Cooley. Uh, back tomorrow, we'll have it out very early in the morning as the Redskins and the Eagles play tonight. Uh, we'll get in either after the game or super early tomorrow morning and get the podcast done so you have it uh, early tomorrow morning. Enjoy the day. Enjoy the game. Back tomorrow.